Kristen, what would you do with one million dollars? You're asking if I had a million dollars? If you had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars, I'd I'd probably buy you a house. <laughs> you couldn't buy I'd, me a I'd, house I'd, with a million bucks I'd, out I'd buy, here. I'd probably buy you furniture for that house. <laughs> That's about all you could buy me. If I had a million dollars, I'd buy some craft dinner. Craft dinner. Um, do you even know what I'm doing right now? You're not even following no, any of this. I'm, I don't know what the craft I'm quoting, macaroni. I'm quoting that bare naked lady song. Oh, I don't know that if one. I had a million dollars. Oh, I remember that from the Lotto I commercials. Had a million dollars. You know the song, right? Is that where it comes from? The bare naked ladies. Yes. I yeah. didn't know that. Oh my god. I, I thought I thought I, w- I was being so clever, and I thought you were being so droll, <laughs> choosing not to laugh at how lame my joke was. <laughs> no, I'm being I'm just, all lame. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just ignorant. That's all. <laughs> or you might have better taste in music. <laughs> I don't. I actually don't own a single Bare Naked Ladies album, which I think speaks somewhat well of me. Well, what would you do with a million dollars? You'd buy a bunch of Bare Naked Ladies albums. That's what I'd do. Uh, there's not, the thing about having a million dollars today is what the hell is it going to buy you? I, can't, I, couldn't buy, I couldn't buy a brownstone oh, well, out here. Well, well, well. So oh, you know I can't here's, make a million dollars. Here's what I'd do. Here's, here's, here's what I'd do. I'd pay, I'd pay for the first year of my son's college. That's what I'd do with a million dollars. It might cover some of that. It might cover some of that. It might cover it might cover room and board. Yeah. Maybe, and that's about it. Not books. No, no. If they have books in the future. <laughs> well, all right. The reason we're talking about this, of course, is because the uh, big release this week is Nebraska, the new Alexander Payne movie starring Bruce Dern as a man who thinks he has won one million dollars. We will talk about that in a moment, but first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, producer for The Takeaway, and this is Movie Date. If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a house, I would buy you a house. And if I okay, Kristen, before we get into Nebraska, tell us about... Another film that you saw that I somehow, somehow missed. I don't know how you missed it, Raper. I don't, I don't it's either. just totally exactly the kind of film you love. <laughs> this is, you love this kind of movie. <laughs> this is called The Best Man Holiday. Give us the lowdown. All right. So The Best Man Holiday is about a group of friends, old college buddies, affluent, African-American, successful. We have a football player. We have a best-selling author. We have a brand management consultant. We have a chef. All of these people are getting back together. This is a sequel, by the way, to um, The Best Man, which was out in 1999, so almost 15 years later. Yeah, that, a long time ago. Yeah, that last movie dealt with, you know, again, the college buddies, but it was the first of them was really getting married. And now, 14 years later, a lot of them are married. A lot of them have kids. They're getting together over the holidays. This is kind of a dysfunctional family get-together. It follows that whole model where everyone Ah. gets together and sits around the table. They have fights. They reveal secrets. They reveal insecurities. You may have cheated on somebody at some point. I might know this about your mom or your kid or about whatever. (laughs) Let's play a clip. Ryan's my boyfriend. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, oh, this Ryan. Okay, because I thought you meant the one. No, right, Ryan. Brian McDougal. McDonald. McDonald, yeah. So it's good to finally, finally meet you, Brian. She will not stop. She won't stop talking about you. (laughs) Is that music playing through the whole movie? (laughs) Because that would drive me insane. 
the, the music kind of drove me insane too. I was trying to think about like, where's this music from? Is it from like a bad situation comedy? Is sort it from of, sort of Pink Panther? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I I don't really understand some of the choices that were made aesthetically in the movie. Okay. Um, I I will say this. There were some tears shed. There was some laughter. There was some cheering. The audience I saw it with really seemed to like it a lot. And I really think it depends on what are you going to see this movie for. Are, are you seeing it because you love a holiday movie that um, does this dysfunctional family thing? Right. I'm not a big fan of these kinds of movies. As much as I love holiday movies, I love them so much. I didn't yeah, like, you do. Yeah, but I didn't like a Fitzgerald family Christmas. I didn't like yeah, which Home I for liked, the Holidays. Actually. I don't like, yeah. I, I feel like they all just have the same tropes over and over again. Well. Yeah, I get it. Someone's going to die. Someone's really deathly ill. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. somebody's pregnant. Yeah. Somebody has a boyfriend <laughs> that no one expected. In this case, oh, my God, he's white. And I think no. all of... <laughs> And I think that it just it gets hard watching the same movie over and over again when there's that awful soundtrack with it, when they're not having fun with it, when it just feels like we're going to do this and not even take any risks at all. Right. Take some risks. Either right. that or if you can't take risks, then at least have more fun with it. Just, is, there, is there one underachiever? Oh, always. Okay. All there's right. always, there's always an underachiever. But, just checking. But I will say this. If, this is, if, if you're into the dysfunctional family holiday movie where everyone's fighting over their you know, Christmas stuffing, but it's not about the stuffing. Yeah. <laughs> right. You'll like this movie. Then you'll you, yuck it up. You will. But if you're like me, eh. Okay date? Mm, and yeah. it, there were lots of dates there. You know, oh, you yeah. know what you can do? You can make out during this movie. Oh, okay. You can right. make out and not pay attention to it, hopefully. <laughs> I can do that at home. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for that, Kristen. Um, and thanks, thanks for thanks for thanks for taking one for the team on that. Thanks uh, for not coming. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Uh, so the next movie we're going to talk about is indeed Nebraska, and this is uh, a big release. A lot of buzz around this film. It's the latest film by Alexander Payne, a, a, a huge hero in the filmmaking community and amongst just a certain crowd of viewers, it seems like. People, some people might call him an indie darling. Yeah, some people <laughs> might. He is, uh, he is very well loved. Uh, he did About Schmidt. He did Sideways. Descendants. Election. Um, oh, yeah. Citizen Ruth. Um, so he's done a lot of you know very popular films. This one stars Bruce Dern as Woody Grant. He's an aging uh, guy living in I think it's uh, Billings, Montana. Is yes, that right? that's right. Yeah, starting to kind of lose his faculties a little bit. Uh, gets a letter in the mail from I think it's the Mega Marketing Sweepstakes Corporation, something equivalent to Publishers Clearinghouse. Yeah, telling him you know uh, that he could have won a million dollars, and Woody, thinking it's true, decides he's going to head to Lincoln, Nebraska and claim his prize. He initially sets out walking, but uh, his son, David, played by Will Forte, finds him and says, uh, wait a minute, what's happening here? And okay, if you're so determined, I'll take you. And the two of them set out on a road trip. Here's a clip. How how did you and mom end up getting married? Uh, She wanted to. You didn't? I figured what the hell. Were you ever sorry you married her? All the time. Could have been worse. Well, you must have been in love, at least at first. Never came up. So, Kristen, um, I I really want to know what you thought of this movie because this movie is all about 
the heartland. This is all about. And the, I'm from the heartland. And you're from the heartland. Yeah, I'm and Minnesotan. I have some relatives in Nebraska. I've oh. spent some time in these rural areas. Um, as you know, I come from a city, but yeah. uh, if you're from the Midwest, you don't have to drive that far to end up in these rural areas. You right. can drive only an hour or two and be in the middle of farmland. So I would say this movie wants to embrace that. It wants to show that heartland for both its beauty and the ways it's kind of lost its luster um, yeah. over the last few decades. And yeah. it big panoramic sweeping shots of fields, of rundown barns, of yeah, shuttered uh, stores and yeah, kind of main streets blocks. that no longer look like they used to. And right. it's all in black and white, we should point out yes. as well. Which why do you think it was in black and white? What do you think that means, Rafer? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Um you I know. don't have a lot of money to make this movie. Right. <laughs> I don't know, but I feel that it kind of it kind of worked. It it gave the film a sort of a little bit uh, an added layer of uh grit and authenticity. It gave it it gave it just a little touch of verite or something. Mm. And you know, a, a lot of the actors in this movie, a lot of the secondary parts or almost tertiary parts are played by actual townsfolk. Um you know, like for instance the woman in the uh in the newspaper clippings library. Oh, she was great. I yeah, loved her so much. And just a whole, you know, uh, Ed uh, what's his last name? Ed Pegram, I think, is this sort of friendly hyperactive guy who, you know, comes bouncing around all the time, so there are there there is there is a sense in this movie of the real heartland on screen, and and Alexander Payne is from Omaha, Nebraska, so yeah. he he knows whereof he speaks. Um, did you like the performances? And let let's save Bruce Dern for a minute, because what I really want to know is whether or not you thought Will Forte, aka McGruber, when I was watching the movie, I'm like. Hold on, is this the same Will Forte? For, yeah, yes, yes, it is. It, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And you know, something I have to say about the movie, he does a great job of just being kind of ordinary guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look like a star. Something that I love that um, Alexander Payne does in all of his movies, he's he's not trying to make anybody look like a movie star in the movies. Right. It's like, this is what a person just looks like when they're not in Hollywood, or this is right. what a person looks like when they don't live on the Upper East Side, when they're just a person. Yeah. Just a person. And so he just seems like an ordinary guy. He's a stereo salesman in Billings, and right. he and his girlfriend just broke up, and his girlfriend looks very much like a girlfriend you would have if you lived that life. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, she, she's kind of heavy. Yeah, yeah. And, and she just she doesn't look like a movie star. Right. And you might remember from About Schmidt that um, Jack Nicholson's wife in that movie, I think a lot of people were like, whoa, it's the first time I've seen Jack Nicholson play opposite somebody, number one, his own age, right. and number two, his own weight and everything <laughs> else, right. and on his looks level. I love that in About Schmidt, and I have to point out that that wife is the same one in this movie. June Squibb. June Squibb plays Will Forte's mom, plays uh, Bruce Stern's wife, and she has a mouth. Yeah, she's got a she's got a great salty foul mouth and a way of ca- sort of calling calling a spade a spade and not mincing words. And... Oh yeah, and it doesn't matter if she's in a really sweet holy place like a cemetery where she's right. like, "Oh, I remember June. <laughs> she was a whore," you know? Right. Or she can be at a dinner party and say the same thing. I mean, she's great. I love yeah. her. I love her sassy mouth. She kind of steals the show in in this in this movie. She's really she's the she's she's really the comedic. She's really the comic relief, not Will Forte, who's really playing kind of a kind of a sad sack who's trying to connect with his father who's trying to connect with Woody but you know Woody is one of these classic taciturn midwestern males he doesn't he doesn't say a lot you know you ask him a question he gives you a one or two word answer one of my favorite scenes in the movie it's, it's not really a scene it's more just a split second when Bruce Dern 
shows up to his brother's house. He hasn't seen his brother in, you know, something like 50 years or something. And his brother is sitting on a recliner watching TV. He looks up and says, oh, hey, Woody. <laughs> and it's just, it's just the delivery is just priceless. The delivery is just priceless. It just says it all. Um, and there are a lot of moments like that in this movie that I think are funny. They're not gut bustingly funny. It's not it's not knee slapper funny, but it's it's wry and sweet and a little melancholy funny. And I thought it worked really nicely. I felt like some of it was a little misanthropic, though, and not very nice. Oh, yeah. In what way? Like, you know, in some ways, it feels almost like you either pity or have resentment for the people in these small towns and look at how ignorant they are and look at how stupid they are and look at how mm. easily they'll turn on you. And I mean, I mean, it's not a very nice picture of most of these people in these small towns. I I mean, I think it sort of is and it isn't. I mean, I think the family members, you know, you see them, you might, some of them seem a little, a little trashy. The, 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 the two, the two brothers that we meet who are, are hilarious characters. Will Forte's cousins yeah. in the movie. <laughs> right. They're, they're pretty funny. They're essentially just two complete dumbass low-life criminals. They are, but I'm also talking about Stacey Keach, who's not afraid to extort money. And, right, and about, right. I mean, they used to be best friends. And I just think that it's not showing the best depiction of any of these people. What the movie almost seemed to be saying to me is, yes, we have a messed up family. Bruce Stern, you're an alcoholic dad who doesn't talk to your kids. You, mom, you just swear all the time and you're not very, you're, you like to gossip and insult people. But as messed up as our family is, at least we're not the people in this town. <laughs> I think, and, the, and it just felt a little misanthropic to me in that way. Uh, I think the message is ultimately, even though even though June Squibb spends most of the movie insulting Bruce Dern <laughs> in, in various very funny ways, uh, I think I think ultimately what you're seeing is this basic idea that family is family. This is this is your family and you got to love them. We we love our family and we're going to stick together and that's and that's just how it's going to be. And you kind of hate it. You kind of sometimes wish that weren't so, but it is and you got to just man up and live with it. That's your dad. That's your dad. You're his son. There you go. And I kind of like that about it. So you're saying this is a good date. I'm saying it's a good date. I, I I was not hugely bowled over by the movie. I'm not a, a massive Alexander Payne fan. I really did love Sideways. I really did love About Schmidt. I was pretty so-so on The Descendants. I did not think The Descendants was a great movie. So I'm not like a huge, you know, I don't I don't go all gaga for Alexander Payne. But I thought it was really good. I thought Bruce Dern was really good. And, you know, we should say, I, I, I think, I think we're going to see him in in the Oscar in the Oscar race. I think it's going to be Robert Redford, Chiwetel Ejiofor from 12 Years a Slave, Matthew McConaughey from Dallas Buyers Club, probably Tom Hanks from Captain Phillips, and I think Bruce Dern. Ooh. Everybody ha- Mark Rayford's words. And, and Bruce Dern is really good. And I think it's cool that Bruce Dern at 77, he's like the hot ticket again. He's like he's everywhere. You see him all over. He's doing the he's doing the press tour. He's talking to papers in the UK. He won the best actor at Cannes. He's bam here in Brooklyn's got a big like something exhaustive, like sixteen film no, it's not really exhaustive. <laughs> talking, talking about Bruce Dern, he's been around forever. Uh, but it's a you know it's like a really lengthy retrospective on his old movies. 
he's like, you know, he's the guy. All of a sudden, he's A-list again, and I think it's awesome. I love it when that happens. I remember yeah. when that happened to Jessica Tandy after driving Miss Daisy during exactly. those years. It's always nice to see somebody in your later years really just being a superstar. I totally I agree. I, I totally that. agree. So I, I say good date, you say... I'd say mediocre date. I didn't uh, hate it, but hmm. it didn't, you know, I didn't love it either. And hmm. I think Payne fans will love it. And yes, I think I think so, too. I, I think people who like Alexander Payne will definitely love this movie. Yeah, so fine date. Okay, all right. All right, so let's get to some some painful stuff here. Ah, uh, pain, oh, painful stuff. Kristen. Oh, no, I didn't. I Okay, so we got a letter this week directed at you, Rafer. And yes. We need to talk about this letter here, and, and it is dealing with some painful issues. Yes. I'm going to read it out loud, and, and uh, let's see what you have to say to it. Okay. This letter is from Gina PDX in Portland, Oregon. And Gina writes, Dear Mr. Guzman, it's kind of amazing to me, as in disappointing amazing, how someone could review a film involving a trans character like in the Dallas Buyers Club and get it so wrong. Calling the trans character in the film a transvestite is insulting and ill-informed. Firstly, the term transvestite is a term the trans community has long since tossed. The proper term is cross-dresser, but moreover, the character in the film is not someone who situationally cross-dresses or performs theatrically as a drag queen, but who lives 24-7 as a woman. She is therefore a transgender woman, a trans woman or just a woman. Yes, I know learning this was not part of your graduate studies, but the reality is if you're going to be any kind of cultural critic or write about artwork, you owe it to both the artists and to the public to learn something. Try reading Glad's Media Guide. Yes. Well, okay. Um, so, first of all, Gina, thank you for writing in. We love it when you write in. Thanks, lo- Gina. But I wish you would have called. It's better when you call. <laughs> Five seven one seven movies. Call me. We, we like love it. hearing your voice. I like the calls better. Okay, but I do thank you for writing in. Um, point taken. I will say first of all, uh, the reason I think the word transvestite popped into my head during the podcast was because the movie is taking place in 1985, which is a time before any of this cultural awareness was really as mainstream and as widely as accepted as it is now. And sort of the point of that character, you know, I I guess the most proper thing to do would be to simply refer to that character as she or as a woman, as Mm -hmm. you said. But that would take away the whole point of that character's existence. That character is a man dressed as a woman, and that's important because it's the kind of character that Ron Woodruff, the, the central, the hero of that film, who is a bigot, That's the kind of character that Ron Woodruff abhors. He despises these people, gays, bisexuals, lesbians, you know, drag queens. And he's got all kinds of names for them in the movie. And this character is is representative of that whole community. And and so it's just kind of referred to Rayon as a woman sort of robs Rayon of her whole reason for being there. So I, and so and the and the term transvestite you're correct is 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 pretty old fashioned, but I think sort of the time the time and place of the movie and the context is what made is what made it popped into my head. But I would say this, I went back and listened to the podcast and it turns out that one second after I used the term transvestite, I also used the term crossdresser. I think you missed that. And okay, now you really throw the book at me when you tell me to try reading the Glad Media Guide. I took you up on your suggestion. I went and I read the Glad Media Guide. Um, 
It turns out cross-dresser is also the wrong term. Cross-dresser is apparently, I don't know who decided this with such specificity, but apparently cross-dresser is not supposed to be used. So anyway, I think what this says is that language is a fairly slippery and a fairly tricky thing. And I don't think any of us are going to get the last word on what these words mean. So here's what, I, here's what I'm going to propose. I think Kristen and I both try to be good liberal humanists. I think we try to be inclusive, not exclusive. I think we're, we are not bigoted. I think there's a room at the table for everyone, we think, in this great American country of ours. Uh, I will try to be more cognizant of the words I use and what has come in and out of favor. That's it. Gina, if you're still listening, I'm done. I'm done ranting. Mm, well, Gina, all that being said, we are doing the best we can, and we never mean to offend our listeners. And we I will give you, you, I will give you credit, you. Gina. I will give you credit for something. In my review, the review that I wrote for Newsday, I called Rayon a transgender woman. I remembered your words. I called Rayon transgender in that review. So you do deserve credit for that. Thank you so much for that. You're making Ray for a better person. <laughs> Well, let's move on to another listener. Okay. For this week's session of movie therapy. Want to get on the couch, Rafer? Let's get on the couch, Kristen. All right. Hey, Kristen Rafer. This is Anais from Montreal, Canada. I was calling because I have a serious case of movie therapy here for the whole province of Quebec. So we're about to prepare for the long months of winter, and uh, some evenings it's just too cold to go outside, and it's really depressing because it starts being dark at around 3.30, 4 o'clock, and what else is there to do than watch a movie? And um, so I need something warm and that will, you know, help me go through the whole winter. Oh, on yes. I, I, I know that pain. I'm from Minnesota. Minnesota's practically yeah. Canada when it comes to long, cold winters. Yeah, so. you would know that. I'm from California. I have no idea what you're you talking about. You don't even know. Anais. Did you I ever see know. snow growing up? No, no, of course not. No, <laughs> snow is some weird... I, I, snow is this kind of weird, abstract symbol of Christmas <laughs> to me. <laughs> so, Rafer, for... Anise, what are we going to prescribe to help her with this situation? Okay, uh, I'm going to recommend um, a movie that... I think very few people that I know have seen. Um, it's, a, it's an overlooked gem from 1978. It is a Canadian movie. It takes place in Toronto. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Anais, it does take place during Christmas, but I think you're going to like this movie. It's called The Silent Partner. It stars Elliot Gould. Uh, it's got Susanna York. Christopher Plummer plays the villain in the film, and it's also got a very young John Candy. The main gist of the film is Elliot Gould is a, is a bank teller at a small bank in Toronto. He gets held up and, through fast thinking, figures out a way to keep part of the money for himself. The robber, played by Christopher Plummer, who turns out to be a complete psychopath and sadist, realizes this only too late and is now trying to play a game of cat and mouse with Elliot Gould to get that money back. How is he going to get that money back? Um... The reason I recommend this movie to you is because it has gone down in history for me personally as the only thriller, sort of crime thriller heist movie I have seen whose plot is absolutely watertight. There is, as far as I can tell, and I could be wrong, there is not a hole, not a gap. There's no motivational questions. Usually you see movies like this, you think, why don't you just kill the guy? 
or you think, well, just go get the key and then, you know, or you, there's there's always some little question that nags yeah, at you. Just finish this. Right? Finish this, yeah, people. Right, Do exactly. It. Why yeah. are you dragging this out? You, I never think that it's got a bang-up, fantastic ending. Um, and I've just, I've always loved this movie. And I just, I think, aside from a, a few moments of kind of jarring violence, which is the one, my one warning to you. They're, they're brief but strong. But aside from that, I think this is just a fantastic movie. So Silent Partner from 1978. Rent that one. But is that going to help her? Is that going to help Anais deal with winter? But I think it's just a good, fun, thriller movie. I think that's the kind of, it's the kind of movie that will entertain your brain, keep you guessing. I just think it's so enjoyable. Maybe it won't keep you warm, but I think it will definitely pass the time in a really, truly enjoyable way. All right. Well, I appreciate your recommendation for Anis. I'm going to go a completely different route. Okay. I'm going to suggest two movies for Anis. One that embraces winter for all of its possibilities. The movie Last Holiday, starring Queen Latifah, which I love. I love this movie so much. Anytime it's on TV, I will drop what I'm doing, and that's the rest of my night. I will watch this. Oh, I had a date lined up. Too bad. I'm watching Last Holiday, starring <laughs> Queen love Latifah. These, you love these movies, I Kristen. Love it. it all takes place in the winter. I think it's in Zurich. She's from Louisiana, the south, and it's hot. But she goes off to the snowy hideaway. She does great outdoor sports like snowboarding. She loves and appreciates and takes advantage of everything winter has to offer because these are her final days. She's just been given a very sad diagnosis. She's not going to live much longer. She's going to embrace everything winter has to offer. She's going to follow her dreams and all sorts of great things will happen in that snowy little perfect world, that little snow globe world she's in. There might be a little love. There might be a little adventure. There might be, oh, I don't want to give it all away. Don't give it away, Kristen. It's so good. It's so good. And then the other thing I was going to recommend is <laughs> a movie that shows how awful hot summers can be. Because mm. when you're in the middle of the cold, you're thinking, oh, this cold winter just sucks. It's awful. It's awful. Wouldn't summer be better? No, it wouldn't. And you know why? Because Do the Right Thing by Spike Lee ah, is out there. Yes. And when you see Do the Right Thing... It is hot. It is sweaty. One of the first scenes is people trying to cool off by rubbing ice cubes on themselves. Yeah. Everybody's full of rage. They're full of anger. Sweat pouring down their foreheads. Oh, Boy, there is, there is nothing like a summer in New York City. Oh, That's true. Oh, God. Everybody's Hoy. just... I don't, I don't think glistening is the right word. They're just drenched in sweat through this whole movie. You'll watch this movie and you'll think, thank God I am not in Brooklyn in the summer. I do not want to be in summer anymore. I want to be in Last Holiday. I want to be with Queen Latifah. <laughs> yeah. And Gerard Depardieu, yeah, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, the, All right. so that's our You movie. take your pick, Anais. You take your pick on that one. <laughs> so those are our movie therapy recommendations. And as always, we want to remind listeners, if you have questions, uh, if you have issues, if you have things in life that you want help with, Rafer and I, with completely no credentials, will help you with those issues by prescribing movies. I actually do have a master's degree in science. Did you know that? What kind of science? Journalism. For some <laughs> strange reason, for some strange reason, it was called a master's of science. I have a master's degree in mm. science. Wow. We can call you master. <laughs> I wish my last name was Johnson. That would work. <laughs> oh. Ah, yes. All right. So as always, let's go out on trivia. Let's do trivia. Yes. Okay. So, uh, well, now, you know, we're, we're back to Gina at the, at, the risk of, at the risk of trivializing things. We asked last week, uh, because we'd been talking about uh, Jared Leto, who played Rayon, the transgender woman, we were asking uh, about other uh, films in which actors uh, cross-dressed. And we played a clip and asked you to name it. Here's the clip. 
What's the matter now? How do they walk in these things, huh? How do they keep their balance? It must be the way the weight is distributed. Now, come on. It is so drafty. They must be catching cold all the time, huh? Will you quit stalling? We're going to miss the train. I feel naked. I feel like everybody's staring at me. With those legs, are you crazy? Now, come on. And here is the right answer. Hello, Raper. Hello, Kristen. Uh, this is Oliver from uh, Paris, France. Uh, the answer to this week's uh, trivia question is uh, some like it up. Well, I don't know if I have the right to play. Uh, thank you for your show, and have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Why is Ooh. everyone Why is everyone from a French-speaking area? I don't this, know, this but week? I'm so impressed. Wow. I know, I know. Paris. Of course you, you have the right to call in, That's Oliver. That's amazing. Of thank you so much for calling us. We really appreciate yes, it. Yes, From all you. the way over there. Yes, indeed. That's great. Thank you so much. And um, this week's trivia question, in honor of Alexander Payne, the man behind Nebraska, as well as those films Sideways, The Descendants, Election. You know, he's mostly known for his kind of quiet, uh, subtle, wry comedies, his reality-driven stories where not much happens, but maybe we go on a little journey into ourselves. Yes. Well, he also wrote a draft of a very, very, very wacky comedy a few years ago. His draft wasn't used for the final version of the film. Another draft was... But it's still notable that he wrote the original draft for this film. Let's play a clip. Um, we want a traditional wedding, too, one with a lot of photographs for evidence. Evidence for our future children so they can see what a beautiful chapel this yeah. is. That's nice. If you know, give us a call, 5717 Moody's. Or, as always, log on to Facebook.com slash Movie Date Podcast. I love the fact that Alexander <laughs> Payne was involved in that at all. Like a Nebraska with a sawed off 14 on my land.